this morning, I'm really excited to be able to talk um, on our series on discipleship. And um, it's been great, hasn't it, to see uh, the journey that God has got us on um, as a church family, how um, Jesus is showing us what it means um, to uh, be to follow our call to make disciples. And, um, and then we're hearing him call to go um, and do it. So I want to share this morning, really, some of what God's been teaching me, some, um, some stuff I guess I've been trying out um, some stuff I want to share with you that actually I found a bit hard. Uh, just want to be honest um, and say that I am learning too. So I hope we have a bit of fun as we go through that. So I want to continue really a journey that Rob started us on last week um, that simply starts with connecting with the unbeliever, helping those that don't know Jesus yet find out what he is like. And last week, Rob helped us, didn't he, identify people of peace around us, those who the Father is already working in, those who are uh, prepared to receive the gospel. And wasn't it so great to hear from Andrew and hear his story of freedom as well? So having identified people of peace, the next question that we're going to look at today is, what do I do with them? What next? And that's where we're heading this morning. Now, I just want to say at the start that um, I found it really helpful last week that as we began this journey of thinking about discipling unbelievers, we started talking, didn't we, about how um, sometimes we have to deal with some of our hang-ups with evangelism. And I want to be honest this morning and say that um, that has definitely been my experience. And I found even this week, as I've started thinking again about the person of peace, I've needed to kind of process a bit of disappointment in this whole area. Because what I realized was is that actually I tend to look um, on my time as a student 12 or so years ago as kind of the glory days of evangelism for me. That was a time when I got to live and study and play and work alongside, do all of life alongside unbelievers. And um, these friends couldn't get away from me because the university admin department had decided on a spreadsheet that we would live on the same corridor in the same halls of residence. And so it was kind of normal practice to stay up till two in the morning, kind of talking about the meaning of life and um, answering their questions about the choices that I made and how Jesus fitted into all of that. But quickly, I realised that actually in the world outside university, um, it just doesn't happen like that. And I guess I've been aware of a kind of vague nagging feeling through my 20s and into my 30s that I don't feel like I'm very good at talking to unbelievers about Jesus, never mind trying to disciple them. So I feel like it's really timely for me that we're talking about this. And I just wanted to share that with you to say that I'm learning loads and loads as we go through this process. I guess the things that I'm talking to Jesus about really at the moment are processing that disappointment that talking to unbelievers has often felt quite hard and quite intense and that I haven't really seen much fruit since my uni days. But also, I think there's this kind of just vague feeling of guilt that, um, that I'm not called to be an evangelist. But how releasing that the truth is that, yes, Jesus has called some specifically to the role of evangelist. But as we saw last week, we are all called to be his witnesses. 
Evangelists are there to equip the church to be a witness so that we all get to take part in the mandate that Jesus gave us to go and make disciples. So I just wanted to start by underlining that again this week, that I really feel the Father wants us to be free from any baggage that we're carrying in this area of discipleship, any disappointment that we haven't seen the breakthrough perhaps that we wanted to, or any guilt that we are carrying in this area of connecting with unbelievers. So I wondered if it'd be okay just to take a moment to pray for us just as we start. Yeah, so Father, we just thank you so much for your presence here with us. Thank you that you have met with us, as you are always so faithful to do. And we just want to take a moment now. Holy Spirit, we just reject any guilt, any shame that we might be carrying in this whole area of connecting with unbelievers. When we hear other people's stories, Lord, I pray that would just raise faith in us that you would open our eyes to what you want to do in us. And we receive the truth that you have called us to be your witnesses and that you have empowered us by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you don't call us to do anything and then just leave us to it. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you go before us. And we just want to commit ourselves again to you now. And ask that Holy Spirit, you would speak to us again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Great. So as we said then, Rob encouraged us last week to identify those people of peace around us. Those who are prepared to hear the message of the kingdom and the king. And ready to see, receive what God will give us to say in, a, in any given moment. So I just want to remind us of where that phrase comes from. Um, Rob last week read from Matthew 10, um, and I'm going to read Luke's account um, today just to mix it up a bit. So we're just going to have a little look at Luke 10, um, starting at verse 1, and it will come up on the screen as well. So it's where Jesus sends out the 72. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. And When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So people of peace will lean into us. And we see from that passage those three ways that we can identify them. So firstly, they welcome you. They they open their hearts and their homes to us and invite you in. And this is key. 
People of peace give us an invitation at whatever stage of interest they're at to at least give them some experience of the good news about Jesus, even if initially they don't know why they're drawn to us. Without invitation, Jesus says to move on from them. Matthew's account says, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that home or town. Secondly, people of peace listen to you. Luke 10 goes on to say in verse 16, he who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. And thirdly, people of peace serve you. So as we see in verse 7, food and drink is given and the disciples are told to accept it. People of peace want to spend time with us. Okay, so I'm hoping now that you've got some people in your mind, perhaps people that you started thinking about after Rob's talk last week. And what I want to do now is share a tool with you that I found really releasing as I look to connect with unbelievers. Now, it's going to come up on the screen, um, but we've got some copies as well for you to have a look at because I know it's often quite difficult to see the detail up there. And this is called... The Disciple Maker's Journey. It's the journey that we go on as a disciple who makes disciples. And the first part of the journey, so it's in the top right-hand corner, is connecting. And the key for this part of the journey is moving from connecting to a few to connecting to many. Now, historically... I have felt that it was kind of better to invest in a kind of small handful of people that I felt I had capacity to share life with and hope that every time I was with them, I would have some sort of opportunity to talk about spiritual things. But what I found is that has invariably led to disappointment, which I think is where perhaps that guilt would set in that I'd let another opportunity pass by. But what I'm learning to do and what this model encourages us to do is look for opportunities to connect with anyone that God puts across our path on any given day. Rob described these connections last week as people who we might have a passing relationship with. There might be people that we only see once or twice and you find yourself getting into conversation with them. But these are great opportunities to practice discipling unbelievers because you might never see them again. Now, I want to uh, make a confession at this point. Um, I am somebody who is far more likely to use the self-service checkout at Sainsbury's than actually interact with a human being. And this is because, so as an introvert, I like to think my shopping, my weekly shop is a nice bit of time in my week where I can go in, do what I need to do without exerting any energy. But as I've looked at this journey of making disciples, I had a moment of revelation where actually this was a regular point in my week where I can intentionally connect with people without changing my routine and with very little sacrifice on my part. It's just a change in my mindset. And so my weekly shop now has become something of a mini adventure where instead of just keeping my head down and getting on with a task in hand, I'll walk across the car park now and say, "Okay, Holy Spirit, who should we look out for today? Who's the one that you want to lead me to? Show me which cashier I need to go to. 
I'm not going to use the robot. And it's in these moments that I'm looking to see how God might turn the conversation, to ask for a word of knowledge even, to consider how the Father could use me to plant a seed or give someone just a brief encounter of God and his love. I feel like it's still early days for me, but I'm choosing courage over fear in this area. And I'm finding that actually the more I do it, the easier actually it is as I say connected to Jesus and follow his directing in it all. So, for example, the first week that I decided I would be more intentional about connecting with people when I go shopping, I ended up chatting to a lady in the card aisle and she was looking for a card, a specific card for her daughter-in-law, and I helped her to find it. Now, in that moment, I didn't talk to her about Jesus. I didn't really have a spiritual conversation, but I just felt like because I'd made that decision to be intentional, Father God had been so kind in just making it so easy and showing me how easy was that, just changing my mindset and being able to connect to more people. Now, as we connect to more people, the rule of averages would say that we are more likely to find ourselves connecting with more people of peace. Those who respond to you and give you an invitation as they lean into who you are and what you're saying. And that then leads on to the next part in the disciple maker's journey, which is chatting. And the key for this part of the journey is moving from natural conversations to spiritual conversations. It's through chatting that we identify the people of peace. Now, someone who I think is amazing at this is Alison. She's not here today, so I can gush without embarrassing her. Um, but she has said that, um, that I can share a little story um, that she has. Now, she definitely does not have the self-service default that I have. In fact, she has various sort of checkout human friends spread across the Solihull supermarkets who she has been intentionally chatting to over a period of time and will look out for when she's shopping. So I'm going to share one of her stories. You might remember this. She did post it on the uh, Jubilee Facebook uh, page. And it is, again, set in a supermarket. So she was in Aldi and she found herself chatting to a lady in the dairy aisle. And they exchanged a a few pleasantries and sort of were talking about their kids. Um, And then Alison said, oh, oh, I bet I'll see you again, you know, down every aisle. Um, See you at the checkout. And she found that, yes, indeed, they did find themselves at the tills at the same time. But by this point, the lady was looking um, kind of visibly troubled and distressed. And she told Alison, she opened up to her and said that she just remembered she had forgotten she was supposed to go and pick up her mum, who was due to go for a chemo appointment. And obviously that had made her really panic and feel distressed. So as Alison then left with her shopping, the lady was just ahead of her. and She could see the lady trying to pack the car, get the, the bags in. There was food on the floor, food rolling away. And Alison just stopped and said, oh, can I help you? And at this point, the lady just started to cry, was just overwhelmed with the kindness shown to her by a random stranger. And Alison was able to say then in that moment, look, I'm a Christian. I'd love to be able to pray for you, for God's peace to come on you and on your day. Would that be okay? 
And the lady said, she cried again and she said, uh, God sent you for me today. You don't know how much that means. And she was able to pray with her there and then in the middle of the car park. Now, what I love about this story is that if Alison hadn't stopped and talked to her in the dairy aisle, which, remember, was before she'd remembered about her mum, then she wouldn't have opened up to Alison like she did. Alison's mindset was, Father, who is the one that you want me to stop for today? This mindset is central when we're at the chatting part of the disciple maker's journey. Who does the Father want to highlight to us as we go about our everyday life? Take notice if you see a person more than once over a short space of time. Or if there's somebody that you're particularly drawn to. As we intentionally connect to lots of different people, we can look out for those opportunities to see how the Father might want to take the conversation from being a natural conversation to a spiritual one. And over time, these passing relationships might grow into more developing relationships, for example, with a neighbour or a work colleague or somebody that we bump into on a number of occasions. Not only is God working in the lives of those around us, but he's also continually working through us every day as we learn to carry his presence into every situation we find ourselves in. 1 Corinthians 1.21 tells us that we are anointed. That means the atmosphere of heaven enters the place where we live and work everywhere we go. We're the aroma of Christ. Where you are is always an opportunity for people to experience something of what Jesus is like. As you act as he would act and speak as he would speak. As you show kindness and speak encouragement. That's often when these people of peace will reveal themselves to us. As a teacher, I often pray that Jesus would show me how to get the very best out of each of the children in my class. And I want the culture of my classroom to be the culture of heaven. And I've felt prompted recently to look out for people at work, my colleagues, who respond to this kingdom culture. Those who ask me why it is that I want to cultivate things like honour and patience and encouragement. When people notice that, I'm ready then to see, oh, is this an opportunity to move from a natural conversation to a spiritual one? And then that's where the middle part of the cycle comes in. Now, this is my favourite part. In the middle, you've got that question, what next? And this question is threaded through each part of the journey. At each point, we can ask the Holy Spirit, what next? What's next for this person that I've connected with? So all the time, it's the Holy Spirit leading the connections and the conversations. And I just love how this takes the pressure off us. We don't have to force anything. As God highlights a person of peace to us, the one to stop for that day, we get to partner with what God is already doing in that individual. This is a journey, not a formula. So we get to keep asking, Holy Spirit, what next? What next for this individual? It's all about what he is doing in this person. It's not down to us. So once we found ourselves connecting to many, 
and taken notice of the conversations that happen with the people of peace around us, we enter the next part of the journey, which is inviting. And the key for this part, inviting, is moving from social contact to spiritual journey. We've looked, haven't we, already in our discipleship series, how discipleship requires both invitation and challenge. And we see this in Jesus's ministry as he disciples those around him. So he says to his first disciples, Simon, Peter and Andrew, come, follow me. There's the invitation and I will make you fishers of men. There's the challenge. A few more examples of where we see Jesus offering high invitation. Well, he says in Matthew 12, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. In Matthew 19, he says, let the little children come to me. And then in Luke 19, he says to Zacchaeus, this is one of my favorite stories, when Zacchaeus is up the tree and he's kind of hiding. And Jesus says to him, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Jesus is brilliant at creating this discipleship culture where there is high invitation. And for us too, discipleship flourishes in the context of meaningful friendships, where there's an invitation to have access to our lives. For people to come and and learn from someone who is just a little bit further along on the journey than they are, while feeling loved and valued for who they are. Now, remember, a person of peace will already have initiated invitation to us in the chatting stage. Some conversations will stay at the natural stage, and that's okay. But for those who invite spiritual conversation, there is an opportunity to respond with our own invitation. And when we give high invitation to a person of peace, we are inviting them, firstly, to social contact with us, beyond just the odd conversation. And the aim then is to move this social contact to more um, uh, introducing the person to have their own spiritual journey. All the time, though, asking, Holy Spirit, what's next? So for some at this point, it might be that an invitation to Alpha or a Sunday morning meeting might be really appropriate. But for others, it might be an invitation to hang out with you next time you're with your family or with your believing friends. Coming round for a meal to see what normal life looks like. We want to move the person of peace towards connection to other people who believe the same as we do. For them to really see what it's like to be a disciple of Jesus. And what I love about this emphasis of connecting the person of peace to other believers is that this flows naturally out of our cultural value of family. We are not on our own in this. We are family on a mission. I love Paul's story earlier about how it was the life group together that went out to kind of seek people and share the love of Jesus. The enemy would love us to feel isolated as we live out our call to be a witness. But family together flies in the face of this. We can be a group of people who adopt each other's person of peace. So as we've heard already this morning, when we meet as life groups, we can we can talk about and we can pray for the people that we're chatting to and connecting to. 
we can ask the what next question together as we pray and call on the Holy Spirit. And then as family, we can share resources and meet the needs of individuals. So a couple of ideas I was thinking about. So could we could we go for dinner as life group and invite everyone's personal peace along? Could we challenge each other like Paul and Helen's life group did to go uh, next time we perhaps just go for a coffee just to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal a new person of peace to us and try and have that conversation as the Holy Spirit leads that goes just beyond the surface level. Now, I say this because I know for me, I need to feel the encouragement of feeling part of a team in this. And being family on a mission feels exciting. I love that God is calling us to make disciples together, having fun along the way. And actually, this team approach to discipleship is what we see Jesus modelling. And it's picked up by the early church. Unbelievers were drawn to authentic community. And I think that's as true now as it has ever been. So as the person of peace responds to the invitation to belong, the Holy Spirit may prompt us to begin the challenge of drawing out the gold in that person. And then this might lead to us being able to speak more freely into the person's life, resulting in a decision for Christ being made. But this part of the journey is not a nice linear A to B. I loved Andrew's honesty last week, how he described when Rob first brought challenge, he backed off. But because the invitation to belong remained and Ruth had him painting walls and putting Ikea furniture together, the invitation did move from social contact to spiritual journey. The question to ask all the time is, Holy Spirit, what's next for this person? We can do all the inviting we like, but ultimately it is God's invitation that people respond to. We are not responsible for the outcome. Our job is simply to be a witness. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to prepare a heart to hear and receive the gospel. And I think that's why I love this question. That's why it's so helpful. It keeps us dependent on God and it kind of stops us from running away with our own expectations and ideas about what should be happening with each individual. Rob said last week how there comes a point where sometimes you just have to let people go. And the what next then is praying for them and recognising that God is far better at changing lives than we will ever be. Discipleship begins and ends with friendship. We've heard that throughout this series. And as we invite access to our lives, people of peace see what it really looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. We don't want to be making converts without making disciples. Fully trained and equipped in all Jesus taught. We are inviting a person to walk the walk of faith, not just pray a prayer. And so as the Holy Spirit brings revelation and the person responds to Christ, it is out of friendship that we are well placed to train and equip the new disciple in becoming a disciple maker themselves. 
And this is where the last part of the journey comes in and where we're going to close. So the fourth part of the journey is multiplying. Moving from disciples to disciple making. As disciples of Jesus, we are called to multiply. The disciple maker's journey doesn't stop when a person becomes a disciple. It's a cycle that starts again. And multiplication is a kingdom principle. I love how in the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, the message of the kingdom is like a seed. It has life within itself. So when Jesus sows the seed and it falls on good soil, soil that has been prepared to receive the message of the king and the kingdom, the seed then multiplies and bears fruit, producing a crop a hundred, sixty and thirty times what was sown. As disciples, we are to live a lifestyle of mission. And this is what we model to others. Jesus never described his mission plan as occasional outreach projects or evangelism programs. Our mandate to go and make disciples of all nations means being a witness in every sphere of life that we find ourselves in. And so as our people of peace become disciples of Jesus, they will have had the journey of chatting and connecting and invitation modelled to them. And that's what we can pray is then replicated and multiplied in their lives too, as they take up the baton of making disciples who make disciples. So I hope that that model is helpful. I thought it might be useful just as we close to take the last couple of minutes to consider a couple of questions. So which area of the tool has God particularly highlighted to you? And what one thing do you want to do in response? So we're going to take a couple of minutes, just talk to the people around you, and then I'll draw us back together and pray for us um, as we finish. Great. Um, I just feel like it'd be really good as we close, just for us to stand together. Um, just, just thinking about that um, thing of family on a mission, family together, that jubilee value that is so dear to us um, and that Jesus has been speaking to us about so much. Just think it would just be good to stand as family together, maybe just to put your hand on the person next to you just to bring that encouragement and that physical unity. And we're just going to pray to close. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite you again just to meet with us. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you so much for this amazing message of changed lives that we get to speak to other people. Thank you, Jesus, that you have called us to be a witness to all that you have done in our lives, turning us around and putting our feet on solid rock. And Jesus, as we stand here, family together, I pray 
that we would know that we have the approval of the Father to go out and follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We want to ask that what next question every step of the way. We don't want to run ahead of you, Holy Spirit. We don't want to lag behind. Thank you that we can encourage one another as we step out, empowered by you, Holy Spirit, knowing that we have a message of freedom and life and hope and joy and comfort that will change lives forever. As we think about those people of peace now, we just offer them to you. I pray you'd show us how to adopt one another's people of peace. And that as we go into our families, into our friendships, into our life groups, as we meet with one another in this week and the weeks to come, Jesus, you would just help us to feel so free as we follow your leading to speak about all that you have done as we connect to many people as we look for opportunities to turn conversations from natural surface level to deep spiritual conversations. And then, Holy Spirit, how we need your help to see where the inviting comes in. Help us to follow your lead in that. And we ask that each of us standing here now today would represent a crop that produces and bears much fruit, 100, 60, 30 times what has been sown in us. Lord, we want to be disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That is our prayer, Lord Jesus. And we offer ourselves to you again. Thank you so much for your faithfulness, God. Thank you that you are so kind to us. We pray that you would keep speaking to us, even as we chat over coffee now. In Jesus' name. Amen.